0: Welcome at the Growcast, the podcast of Blue City and Blue City Lab, in which we talk with eight Rotterdam-based pioneering bi-designers, our so-called pioneers, about how a future will look like if we design with nature as our guideline. We started this podcast to celebrate the opening of Blue City
1: Lab. A biocircular playground for pioneers located in the heart of Blue City. We invited four frontrunners whose work will make us rethink everything we think we know and four aspiring biodesigners who want to challenge the status quo. My name is Barbara Vos. And I'm Emma van der Leest. In this podcast, we want to welcome Eduarda Bassian from Brazil. She crowdfunded her research project, The Hub Project, in which she wants to recover our connection with nature. Welcome, Eduarda. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're very, very happy that you can join us. So how has been the last couple of months for you?
2: Uh, well, to be honest, been kind of a emotional roller coaster, ups and downs, and uh, a lot of adaptation. I had to adapt uh, a lot of my project in my own home. And it's a small house, so it takes a lot of adapting. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's been a roller coaster, really, but good good times and also bad times.
1: And could you tell us some more about your projects that you're doing now from home?
2: So the Hop project is a project that I created, which aims to present a new type of fiber for the textile industry, and it is actually a fiber that was was used many years ago for textile purposes. So I'm trying to rescue this fiber and uh, to see how with the technology that we have today and also keeping alive old techniques, handmade techniques, how can we use this fiber for uh, the textile industry? So uh, I've been collaborating with the hop farmers and also scientists, biologists, uh, artisans from here from the Netherlands.
1: Because it sounds like we're talking to a foolproof uh, designer who's uh, working on the subject for like multiple, multiple years, but you're just you're just no, not not just, but you're still studying as well, right?
2: Yeah, I'm still studying. I'm started just started my second year of my master's course here in the Netherlands.
1: And you also work together with the Wageningen University.
2: Yes, it all started with the ACT module from Wageningen University, where you present. Uh, a problem, a research question, and then they gather different students from different departments to help you to solve this problem. So I got, I was working with uh, students, master students from biology and uh, plant biology, and they helped me develop a method for the, the degumming of those hop fibers, the so- extraction,
1: extraction and softening the fibers. Wow. And uh, so just before we go to the to the why questions why did you go did you come to the Netherlands? It's very cold here compared to Brazil
2: Yes uh, actually it's not so different the winter from where I was raised is very south of Brazil so we also have a cold winter but I was looking for a master's course in the textile field or fashion and all I could find were just the same always the same courses with the same uh, subjects and all focusing on the mass production industry and all of that very shallow so i found this course uh, which is called it used to be called fashion how in common but now they change it to practice how in common which has a much more holistic approach to this so uh, it involves a lot of finding yourself and uh, compassion and using compassionate communication and uh, handcrafts and all of that.
0: And Eduarda, are you um, in this project alone or do you really have a group of, besides the collaborators like Wageningen, do you have a group of uh, other people that are helping you with the hub projects?
2: Uh, I have collaborations. Mainly, I, I am alone, but I have I made a lot of connections and collaborations. So there are the farmers who gave me the plants, and there are also the scientists and biologists from Barningham who are going to do the extraction method, and the spinners who are going to spin the fiber. So yeah, I think a person is never alone. There's also a lot of collaborations and
0: connections that you make along the way. How did you find out about biodesign? Have you read about it? Have you heard about it? How did you get attracted by this whole field? Uh,
2: As soon as I got in the Netherlands, I started hearing a lot about it, uh, a lot about the SCOBY ladder and the mycelium, a lot about the mycelium, and the mycelium really fascinated me. And then I was, I think, just two months after I got here, there was the bio design Night at Blue City, and I went and I got even more fascinated by everything. So I really. Oh, that's really so liked, nice yeah. <laughs> that you participated last yeah. year. I was there last year, and uh, yeah, everything just really fascinates me the power of nature itself and all the resources that it can provide us. It's, yeah. Really fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, so for the listeners who don't know what uh, Biodesign Night is, it's an uh, annual event here in Blue City. Uh, Last month, actually, we recorded it online, of course. And it's an event where we uh, bridge design, technology and biology and bring uh, together um, scientists and designers in a room who will talk about their projects um, in the evening. And normally, we also had a tiny exhibition Uh, so this event is really to inspire people, but also bring together uh, and create a network. Um, And a lot of people are from Blue City Lab, of course, but also from the whole of the Netherlands. Um, So if you are curious, um, yeah, follow us. And that's also apparently how Eduarda um, came here. Uh, So maybe, Eduarda, you you probably also uh, got to know Blue City Lab, right, via this evening.
2: Yes, that's where I got to know everything about it. and I then started following everybody that works there. So yeah, I've been following Blue City Labs work for a year now, I think.
0: Cool. Yeah. and, and yesterday we uh, or our previous speakers were talking about starting in their kitchen. So I'm also really curious. Have you also started in your kitchen or you know cultivating hop crops in your home? Um, and are now looking for a more professional place to work with the fibers?
2: Yeah, so actually uh, it's funny because when I was first here, I was in a very tiny room in a student house and I wanted to start growing things as soon as I could. So in my room, it was full of plants and then in the counter, there was... Uh, failed attempt of growing mycelium and under the table it was (laughs) a successful attempt of growing scoby actually but the room was a mess and all sort of things growing and everything and I used to boil the hops the hop plant because it makes it easier to extract the fiber in the kitchen and all the flatmates got in the kitchen and they stink so (laughs) yeah it was really funny but I'm still doing it at home now because uh, I'm not allowed to go in the lab because of the COVID now also, so I'm doing a lot of stuff at home. So, yeah, I'm experimenting in my kitchen again.
0: (laughs) Because you're working, of course, with the the fiber of the hop plant. So here in the lab, you're going to use specific machines to turn them into a fibrous uh, material, right?
2: I need the lab to do the extraction and the softening process of the fiber, which we call degumming, that I'm going to be using enzymes. And of course, I cannot do that in my home. So I need the proper environment to use the enzymes and everything that goes in between in the process.
0: Yeah, well, uh, we're really curious to see uh, how that all goes, and of course, you're also uh, very much inspired by nature. Um, could you tell us a bit more what aspect of nature inspires you, or specifically this hop plant? So we know, well, most of the people know hop from beer, but could you? Tell us a bit more about your fascination for this plant.
2: Well, I actually found out that hop was used as a textile fiber in a really, really old book. And I read that it was from the same family as hemp, and they both have similar structures. And then I thought, why is nobody using it? So I did a deep research about it, and then um, I found out it's considered agricultural waste, because after the flower is harvested for the beer production, they burn or compost the plant. So it's technically agricultural waste that nobody uses. And then I started putting everything together. And then, yeah, I actually got really good fibers at home. So I think in the lab, I even, I can get even more soft and nicer fibers, but, um, Aside from the hop, I think what inspires me most about nature, it's its capacity to function and to work as a unique being. Even with all its microorganisms and all plant species, animal species, it functions and coexists as a one being. And also, it provides us with all the resources that we need. Uh, we, of course, it only asks that we take care of it. So. I think that would be it. Oh,
0: thank you. Uh, thank you, Eduarda.
1: Yeah, and um, I still have a, a question about your project because you um, you crowdfunded your project actually, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did a crowdfunding campaign in order to afford everything.
1: And could you tell something about why you crowdfunded the pro- project and why it's necessary to have, have, have like a sum of money to, to move forward?
2: Well, uh, as a non-EU student, there are not uh, many available funding for projects, especially if you're still a student. So uh, there was a workshop, actually, in my class of uh, one of the people that work at the Vordekunst. And uh, it was like an incentive for us to do this for our projects. And I looked at all the possibilities I had and crowdfunding, sounding like the best one. So yeah, I gather all the costs, all the material costs and rent for labs and uh, paying professionals, of course, and everything. And yeah, it was the
0: best option for me.
1: So it was specifically the hub project, right?
0: Yes, yeah, specifically for the hub project. Eduarda, yesterday I listened to a Dutch Design Week talk with ambassador and trend forecaster led by Ada Edelkort. You probably know her. And she was mentioning the study of indigenous cultures to rethink our current uh, consuming system and looking back to the beginning of humanity. And I thought that was really interesting because to look at the noble way in which we have learned to organise our existence from the very much beginning, uh, to conquer, for example, rights to exist, the way we manage things through groups with wise men and delegations. Uh, And it goes through very different principles that we know, and we already have, of course, an incredible source of wisdom and, and depth build up in our society. And um, the question she also asked, uh, how can we learn from ourselves if we look back to the beginnings of humanity to actually arrive uh, a whole new society nowadays? So not working on what we have now, but starting a new phase where we basically uh, need to take better steps towards a new depth in society by studying the um, indigenous Cultures, so um, could you tell us a bit more about what you seek in the indigenous and, let's say, old-fashioned cultures and how you create new perceptions in the current world? Yes, uh, I do know her. I'm a huge fan of hers. Actually,
2: um, I love her work, and she actually started this new New World Hope Forum, I guess, and she's going to launch yes. it on Saturday. So I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, about the indigenous cultures uh It really inspires me because for them, the earth is sacred, nature is sacred. All life is valued. So I think the first thing it, that we need to do again, if we want to start from the beginning, is to le- relearn to value all life and relearn the, the fundamentals that were once natural to us. There is this, this book, this really good book. Can I mention a book? Of course, you can mention a book. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yes, please.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That everybody that is interested in this, it's a must read. It's called Spiritual Ecology, The Cry of the Earth. And it's all about this. All about, and there's a lot of indigenous people also um, talking about this and how they treat the earth and how we should treat the earth as one and how this is the basis for everything, to respect nature. and to not put ourselves in the in the top like oh we are humi- we are humans we are above everything because it doesn't work like that and they talk about this concept of deep ecology there is deep ecology and shallow ecology deep ecology would be when we have when we value all life when we recognize the rights of nature and the shallow ecology would be when we value nature only in terms of its usefulness to humans, even though we conserve her and protect her for our benefit, it would be considered shallow ecology. So deep ecology would be to see it as one and to take care of it. I think I'm talking too much. No, <laughs> no, no. It's, no, really, no. it's, it's, it's really, really fascinating.
1: Yeah. 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 and And I was also wondering, because if you're like, you're very inspired by this, and uh, you can sense also with Lidewey uh, that there's a, a new movement or a new sense of being, like uh, positioning ourselves with nature instead of uh, positioning uh, uh, the human beings outside of nature. How can we uh, incorporate and and value like traditional and indigenous uh, cultures in in the industry right now? What's your vision on that?
2: Yeah, uh, that is the most, I think, tricky part because, but I think it all comes down to Educating others and uh, like showing others, presenting people with this kind of stuff because it's really fascinating and I'm sure everybody is curious about it and it is really beautiful, the old techniques and everything. So maybe finding a way to present it to the world that would catch people's attention and catch people's eyes so they stop and have some insights about it, but also educate people about it. and. Yeah, I think that's the trickiest part.
1: Yeah. And what kind I, of? Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, what kind of role do you see for yourself as a designer in 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 educating people?
2: Uh, well, for starters, I think being an open source goes a long way in that, and uh, sharing knowledge as much as possible, sharing information, sharing your discoveries, and everything. And I think what I like, what I would like to do also, I'm going to have an exhibition with the Hop Project next year, if COVID uh, let us, where I'm going to show all the uses for the material in a more artistic way also. So I think combining it with art and exhibiting it to the world is also a
0: way to showcasing it. And what do you you actually exhibit the textile or do you also create garments out of it and what type of garments have you thought about that?
2: No, I don't plan on presenting garments at the moment. It would be more the textiles, uh, woven textile or uh, the use even as a raw fiber like in basic basket making and uh, the prehistorical weaving types. So, uh, I haven't thought about garment at the moment, more about the textile itself, the material itself.
0: Okay, well, I, I also have one more question on uh, the the exhibition because uh, here in Blue City Lab, there's also research going on to create a textile out of tomato fiber stems, uh, stem fibers, so to say. <laughs> um, and I know it's pretty hard to uh, create a textile completely in Netherlands or Europe. Do you also look at how we can produce this fabric um, in a sustainable way, so not only, for example, in Asia, but also here, uh, closer to uh, the Netherlands? You mean uh, like producing for example, meters of the fabric, you mean like, like that, selling the fabric? Yeah, because I, I can imagine that a lot of people are interested. Um, so um, if you take the, maybe a next step to produce, that's also, of course, a decision you have to make. Do you want to continue and produce like yards of this fabric? But um, is it possible to uh, create a yard from it in the Netherlands or uh, anywhere in Europe?
2: Uh, it is possible, but there's actually this project going on, the linen project. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, one of my mentors is uh, one of the main people of the project, and uh, they came to this problem with the spinning machines, there are not no. Wait, <laughs> There are not many spinning mills or spinning machines here anymore uh, in Europe, so they spin the. The linen fiber. I th- I don't remember the country, but it was a country that was not the, Le- the Netherlands or anywhere close by because it was the one of the only spinning mills left in Europe. So I think it is possible, but I think we need to bring this back also. So of course it takes a lot of investment because it's an expensive machine, it's an old machine. Uh, of course, it it's it improved with the years. But I do think it's possible, but it also takes the valuing the local projects, of course, because I don't think going like on a huge scale, produce huge amount of hop fiber or tomato fiber would be the answer. So we have to keep it small and work again, a new collaboration with engineers, maybe to find these machines again here. But I do think it's possible. And I really love the tomato project, actually.
0: (laughs) Wow. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this exhibition. Last question on the material, Eduarda. Uh, what do you hope to achieve with your projects uh, and the exhibition you are talking about? Well, I
2: think the main goal would be to show it to the world, to present it like, oh, here, there's this other fiber. There is not uh, polyester or anything or, or cotton or hemp. It's another fiber uh, here that we can use. So. It would be mostly to show its uses and to present the fiber to the world, I think. Yeah, I actually have a list of other print fibers for the next projects that I'm looking forward to work with.
0: Okay, well, we're very curious. Maybe uh, we hear more about it when you are uh, here in Blue City. Yeah, definitely.
1: Just to make sure for our listeners back home, because you're, uh, we're actually... Calling you in right now because um, you can't physically be here because of COVID nineteen and the restrictions. But um, when you want to lose, uh, sorry, when you want to use Blue City Lab, you have to travel two and a half hours and take a train and two buses to come here. How important are places as Blue City Lab for uh, young designers and students like you?
2: Oh, I think it is extremely important, and I really wish there was a Blue City in here Arnhem because. Yeah, the places that I found near Arnhem, it either costs uh, insanely expensive rent and I would be alone in a space there is mine, but I've never worked in a lab before. So I think it's it's really important for uh, students and young designers who like to work with bio design to have this kind of labs available nearby because it's a crucial, crucial part of the
1: process. So you came before the course uh, Practice Held in Common? Yeah. at uh, in Arnhem, at the Artist University. Is this something that's uh, typical for the Netherlands to have this holistic approach? Is this different in Brazil and in other uh, countries in the world?
2: Yes, I think my course in particular is very unique and uh, I'm really happy they have it here. But I do think this holistic approach is growing. And uh, no, I know they have some places in Brazil, not in fashion, but I know they have a lot of places... So maybe you
1: you can also say what the holistic approach is for people who don't know it?
2: It would be a more compassionate way of dealing with uh, things, with life and everything. Um, It's really hard to explain this course. When people ask me and my classmates, we we never can really explain it. But But it makes it so
1: interesting, right?
2: Exactly. But it's all about finding yourself and finding your path. And uh, actually, nonviolent communication is one of the core subjects of the course, uh, as well as different types of um, techniques and classes to find yourself and find your path uh, with joy, living with joy and with love for others and for yourself, of course. So, yeah, it uh, all revolves around love,
1: actually. <laughs> And that reflects in your work. Yes. And um, uh, if you can pick a favorite biodesigner, architect or scientist uh, to collaborate with, who would that be? And what skill are you looking for or maybe need to grow?
2: There is one that is my favorite that I found out about her as soon as I got here in the Netherlands. And she really is an inspiration to me and I don't know how to pronounce her name because the Dutch language is very hard for me but I think it's Ninke Ninke the
0: seaweed girl Oh Ninke Hoogvliet. Yes yeah. yeah Oh yeah that's I, We know her. We know her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I saw her last year at the Bio
2: Design I didn't uh, follow her work ever since and she really is an inspiration to me. And the way how she she also collaborates with different uh, professions
0: and everything. Yeah, she really is an inspiration. Well, I, I think I'm sure we can uh, introduce you, your work, and you, of course, to, uh, to Ninka.
1: Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> and, and what skill are you looking for, or do you need to, to move further in, in your work?
2: Well, actually, um, I think the main thing, which is also why I'm taking botany, botany, botani- botanic course, botany course, I think. Botanic, so. yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, To better understand the science of the plant, because then I know how to move forward, because if you don't know like about the lignin and blah, 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 everything there is, you don't know what you need to do to make it softer and everything. So I think uh, plant biologists would be a good collaboration for my projects. And also yesterday I tried spinning by myself and it's really not made for me. It involved me screaming into a pillow. So I'm really not made for <laughs> sp- hand spinning. Sorry. So no, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm collaborating with local spinners to hand spin the fiber. Beautiful. I beautiful. Also
1: bringing back the traditional way of, of creating uh, garments, of course.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it involves more meaning, in my opinion. That's why I think also bringing back uh, it's important because it involves meaning in what you yeah. do like giving it by time stress.
1: and yeah, you give it love actually to 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 like, spin like the wheel. yeah
0: I'm really looking forward. I'm also, of course, I'm also a designer and I, and I always like to touch materials. Um, so I'm really looking forward to uh, to meet you here and uh, to see more of your work. Actually, I think that our conversation was really clear. So for, yeah. from my side, I don't have any questions. You just make me very curious. <laughs> um, Same. So from my side, um, <laughs> thank you very much, uh, Eduarda, for, for being here with us online. And I hope our listeners enjoyed too. If you have any questions for her, please uh, reach out to us. And of course, we wish you all the luck with the project and um, see you soon.
1: Yes, thank you very much. This growcast was hosted by Barbara Vos and Emma van der Leest and produced by Blue City Lab. This podcast was realized with funding from the municipality of Rotterdam and Creative Industries Fund NL and was edited by Puree Productions. We also want to give a shout out to Nienke Benedijk, director of Blue City Lab and Sabine Biesheuvel, director of Blue City and actually everyone else from the Blue City team for their trust and never-ending support.